I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of your pastors here at Anderson Hills Church. Uh, as we welcome 2024, last weekend we focused on how God is with us in our hopes and dreams for this year. We claim it. And that's great to do this time of year, to focus on the things that really matter to God and really matter to us personally through our faith. And as we serve Jesus, he desires to work through us so that his kingdom will come, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which means we're conduit to be utilized by him for the benefit of others. It's not just personal relationship, it's a lifestyle that cares about the whole world. As Eric said, we are in a series, beginning of a series called Wreck the Roof. It's all about sharing Jesus with others. When you have the best relationship ever, you want to tell people about it, right? Unless you're just really selfish and want to keep it to yourself. That's not who we are called to be. This idea for this series came from a pastor named Kyle Eidelman from Southeast Christian Church in Louisville. Years ago, we did a, a series on a book that he wrote called Not a Fan. And it was powerful stuff. And so we're going to dive into this series together and we're going to be challenged to carry our faith into the lives of others. I want to begin in November of 1982. The SMU Mustangs defeated the Texas Tech Red Raiders when Bobby Leach caught a bouncing football, a lateral on a kickoff return. And he sprinted 91 yards to the end zone for a touchdown. There was an NFL assistant there by the name of Alan Lowry. He saw that play. He kept it in the back of his mind in case he ever needed to call it as a special teams coach. A little over 17 years later, it was time. The Buffalo Bills had just kicked a field goal to take the lead with 16 seconds left in the first round of the playoff matchup against the Tennessee Titans. The odds of getting through Buffalo's special team to the end zone seemed very slim. The Titans needed to get creative. They needed that play that Alan Lowry saw in Texas many years before. Now, if you're a Titans fan, you know what happened next. Lorenzo Neal, he fielded the kick. He pitched it over to Frank Wycheck. Wycheck then went to the right. And then he turned and tossed the ball across the field to Kevin Dyson, who was speedy. He ran 75 yards for a touchdown for the victory. It was not only one of the most memorable endings ever for the Titans, but it was one of the greatest all-time finishes to an NFL game in history. It's called the Music City Miracle. Let's take a look at this quick clip to get you ready for the playoffs. Do the Titans have a miracle left in them in what has been a magical season to this point? If they do, they need it now. Christie kicks it high and short. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, Pitches it, to... it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got 20, it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. <laughs> 
They went on to, super, to the Super Bowl in 1999 that year. It just, uh, it just reminds me that sometimes when your back is against the wall, you need to get creative. You need to remember that miracles can take place, not in football, but in the everyday, ordinary lives of you and me. We need to draw up a play, break through, wreck roofs, and watch what amazing things that God can do. There were once four individuals who were hoping for something amazing to happen. Not for themselves, but for their paralyzed friend. They had heard that this teacher, this rabbi named Jesus from Nazareth, he had the power to heal people. They had hoped that maybe he would do the same thing for their friend. So they put him on a mat. They carried him to the house where they had heard this miracle rabbi working where he had set up shop. Yet when they got to the place, their hearts sank. The building was slammed full. It was packed. And the massive crowd had gathered around Jesus. They it filled every nook and cranny in the place. And it spilled to the outside of the house. There was no seemingly way for them to get through all those people to get their friend to Jesus. Let's look at Luke 5, 17 through 19. One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea to Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. You have to wonder what kind of conversation happened with these, these people as they were trying to think about that moment in time. Did these friends consider waiting for the crowd to thin out? Was one of them ready to pack up and head home? Did they argue about how they should have tried to come earlier to the house? We don't know. All we know is that there was a sense of urgency within these guys or gals. They did not know if they would ever have another chance like this. And Jesus traveled from town to town and he may not have passed their way again. Their backs were against the wall. If they wanted their friend to have an encounter with this miracle worker, it might have been their only one shot. And eventually someone in the group decided if they were going to get inside, they were going to have to get creative. And the idea was to cause a little bit of disruption, but it was their friend that they loved. He was worth the risk. They loved their friend, and they knew they had to draw up a play in the dirt to get their friend to Jesus. So they decided to wreck the roof. One shot, they went for it. Now, can you imagine being on the inside of that house watching this all take place? Luke tells us that, they, that Jesus was surrounded by Pharisees and teachers of the law. These were some of the uh, individuals who were on the highest rung of, of, of the social and religious ladder. Jesus was teaching at the time. We don't know exactly what he was saying, but at some point, the people in the crowd started hearing noises above them and started to see particles of material dropping down below on the ground. They glanced up. They're like, do you hear that too? Do you see that? And the shuffling and the murmurs grew louder and the noise became more consistent until there was definite ruckus on the roof. And whoever was causing the commotion sounded like they were tearing things apart up there. 
And then suddenly light broke through the the shaft into that room. They saw four faces after the, the hole was dug, probably faces that were covered in sweat and dirt and hay. And they found a mat being lowered by ropes down into the house with a man placed on that mat. And he came right at the feet of Jesus. You see, my friends, love makes a scene. It has quieter moments. Love has quieter moments but it compels people to to make lavish proposals. It compels people to stay up all night on Christmas Eve and put those intricate little pieces together for a toy or to drive across the country to be a friend or to cook a meal for a hurting friend. Faith driven by love moves us to courageous action. Their love for their friend wrecked that roof. Luke does not record the crowd's response to this radical act. But you got to think there was some dismay concerning this new hole in the ceiling, especially from the owner of that house. Who do you think you are? The nerve of them to tear this ginormous hole in someone's roof. It wasn't proper. It was not civilized what civilized people do. At these rabble-rousers, they caused a scene. How dare they? How are they going to fix that roof? Can you imagine the insurance estimate on that? (laughs) Could they not have gone through the proper channels to get to Jesus? Perhaps make an appointment to talk to him later? I feel like that there had to be a few like that in that room that did not like what they saw, especially those religious leaders. But what Jesus saw was their love and faith. Let's see what happens next. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of law began to think of themselves, thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat." And go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them. He took what he had been lying on. And went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe. And said we have seen remarkable things. You know what's amazing? Did you catch it? This man was healed because of the faith of his friends. Obviously, the man had faith as well. He was counting on everything laying on that mat. But the text is clear that the faith of his friends was very, very important to Jesus Christ. And we need to understand how faith works. That your faith is very, very important to God, even when it's concerning other people. Faith is more than just an individual thing. It's a collective thing in nature. This is tough for us sometimes because we're independent-minded people. It's in our DNA as Americans. It's easy to take the approach to faith and say, well, I really don't need to go to church. I really don't need to talk about God. I don't need to be in a life group, but I can pray on my own. I'm good. I want to keep it very personal to me. But the fact is, folks, we need one another as well. I need you. You need me. God works 
through our relationship in a special and sacred way. Every person here today is because of someone inside the house made room for us. Maybe they invited us. Maybe they brought us. Maybe they told us about Jesus when we, we got there. Maybe we were reluctant to come. Or there were other obstacles. And this friend tore off the roof for us. God used their faith. And God used their faithfulness. And that's why we are here today. When I think of the people in my life who tore off a roof for me, I am overwhelmed with thanksgiving to them and to God. But I'm also overwhelmed with the sense of responsibility because there are people outside the house today. And you know who I'm talking about. You can think of several people in your brain. It's a person that God has been laying on your heart to invite. It's a person that's very, very discouraged, that needs a kind word, that needs your action and faith and love in their lives. It's the professional that thinks they got it all together, but it's your story to help them get things back together because Jesus changed you, and you may be the catalyst for their growth. We have a very powerful ministry called Embrace Grace. And I want to share a very powerful video of what that ministry is doing to wreck the roof. Let's take a look at this together. When we first started Embrace Grace at Anderson Hills back in 2019, uh, we were so excited to pour out our love on single moms and get this group going, throw some baby showers, but it took a lot longer than we thought. Um, and we faced some discouragement with that. So um, we tried to launch in 2020. You can probably guess how that went. Um, there were some roadblocks with COVID and it just took a lot longer for us to get our name out there into the pregnancy centers. And so um, our team just still continued to meet. The prayer team met to pray. We continued to do training videos. And, um, but it got to the point where we were like, is this really worth it? We're putting hours and hours into this ministry and we still haven't served one girl. I remember at the end of 2021, we were about to start um, another semester in, a, in about a month, and we had no girls signed up. And um, I remember feeling like, I'm going to go to my team and just see where they're at and see, do we want to just call it quits? Do we want to um, just wait till the spring? Maybe people will be more comfortable meeting in person. And um, I get an email from a girl named Danielle. Um, who was really in a, in a dark place and in desperate need of support. And she reached out to me and immediately I was just like, oh my gosh, this is all worth it if just for one person. And shortly after that, I got another call from um, our friend Kaya and then, um, and then a call from Jalisha, who's right here, um, and then Brooke as well. So we ended up having a group of four. And I was a new single mom here in Cincinnati from Alabama, so I didn't have friends or family here. I didn't have any support besides the boyfriend that I was currently with at the time. And so they gave me a flyer. I called the number, actually picked up the phone. We connected, we met up, we had coffee, and we discussed like more about the group I signed up being in this group I found friends who became family and they were always there for me I can call them anytime and they showed a lot of love for me and my babies it helped all of us grow together and then it also was centered around God which we all needed <laughs> Oh 
like one of our first groups or maybe it was in the first few weeks you said to us okay what's after embrace grace and we were like oh there's embrace life and you're like okay well what's after embrace life because I don't want to stop being with you guys and so you were like I'm gonna be a leader one day (laughs) yep and sure enough as soon as Jalisha graduated from embrace life uh, we invited her to be a part of the leadership team and it was just the best decision ever seeing how you've taken that role and, and run with it and just like you you persevered and you sought the Lord and you trusted him through everything that you've been through and you're such a good mom to your girls and just seeing you love them um, makes me so happy. Ashley, I'm just glad that you did not give up and you were faithful to God because if you would have gave up, me and including the other 16 ladies and the babies, no telling what would have happened. And for me, it encourages me to get out and keep pushing for God. But to be a child of God, we have to work in it daily. We have to, you know, get up and do something about it. That's the season I'm walking in. Like, you want to be a child of God get out there and be big about it so share the word share your testimonies invite people to church and you know live in it and be a walking testimony in it since we first started embrace grace we've had 16 moms go through the program we've had four baby showers and we've had two semesters of embrace life where seven women have gone through that program too which is like the sequel to embrace grace Um, we've had six professions of faith in christ for the very first time and many more women just deepening their walk with jesus and recommitting their lives to him so often through this journey honestly i've doubted myself in like leading this thing and wondering like what do i even have to offer these girls and I just like take one look at you and the other girls and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not me. It's the gospel. Like I I have it because of Jesus. Like Jesus really is the hope of the world. He really is the only answer for hopelessness and suffering and just seeing what these moms have walked through and being able to offer them life change and hope is just the most incredible thing. And it's not by anything that I do. It's the gospel that I've received that I can just pass on. Amen. Matt carrying ladies, breaking through. I want to ask you a question. What roof is God calling you to tear off, to wreck? Maybe it's a roof of of fear or complacency. Maybe it's stepping outside of your comfort zone. Maybe it's an act of, of, of selfless generosity of your time or your talents or your financial resources or your testimony or your gifts to be laid out to help carry someone to the Lord. Do we have that kind of courageous faith that's going to tear a hole in the ceiling for the love of God and for the love of neighbor? Life is too short for us to wait on these things. We have to be creative. We have to work and get our hands dirty. How are you pursuing and seeking to connect with God and others in your everyday life? Do we believe that God can help us through our relationship with Jesus Christ to make sure that we can secure that help in him through the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit? Because faith is not supposed to be passive. We just don't come to church once a week and get filled up and then go about our business as normal. We need to seek after our amazing God who tore open the roof for us, who tore open the sky for us so that we could be fully alive. And we need to move roof tiles and and heaven and earth for people in need around us. From the members of this congregation who are sick to our neighbors through people who are hungry or spiritually bankrupt 
There are so many people laying on mats that have such great need. And Christ is counting on us. Being fully alive doesn't happen by accident. Like it did for these four friends, it requires intentionality. It requires some creativity to get people to Jesus Christ. Let's hold to their bold example in our minds. Because we find ourselves tearing through roofs for God and for one another. And it's a pretty miraculous sight to behold for ourselves. Church, let's start this new, new thing together, declaring that this year it's going to be a, a tearing off the roof at Anderson Hills. We'll talk to you a lot about this in February. There's some exciting things. I can't talk about it, but we'll talk about it in February. And I want to invite you to join me in prayer that God would tear off the roof here and remove the obstacles that might interfere with our ability to reach uh, new people for the gospel, especially young people who are hurting. And I believe God is going to answer those prayers in bigger and better ways than we could ask or possibly imagine. In 2024, let's tear off the roof in Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the one who courageously shared their life, the gospel of truth and grace and love and life for us, so that we're sitting here today because they tore the roof off. And God, we thank you for coming into this world. You tore, like, like I said, you tore the roof off of heaven. You came uh, to, to be one of us and to live in us. And to show us the way of sacrificial love. And so God, place it upon our heart. The people that we will help carry to you, Lord Jesus. For you are the healer. You are the one who touches people. And they're changed and transformed forever. Today we have a special opportunity, God, to come to this table together. At the beginning of this year. To take a piece of torn bread. And be reminded that your body was broken for us. And dip it into the cup to be reminded that your blood was shed for us. For the forgiveness of sins. For new life. Abundance in you. And to be vessels of your message of hope in the gospel. God, we pray that you pour out your blessings upon these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we would be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. God, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry and mission to this world, wrecking roofs and watching you work miracles. God, we thank you. We praise you. And now as your beloved uh, children, we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.